What's up, Dream Warriors? Welcome back to another uh, Dream. This is our guest, episode number four. Uh, and this week we're joined with our good buddy, um, Jeffrey Chuck Norris. Hey, guys. Um, how are we doing? Good, good. How are you, man? Oh, man. I'm happy to be here. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're pumped to have you, man. You picked a good movie, so yeah, we appreciate it. Oh, uh, no worries. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> um. Now, you go by Chuck. Now, is Chuck like just your middle name or is it a nickname because your last name's Norris? Or, Well, it's a, it's a little bit of both. It is my middle name. I, my middle name is actually Charles, and you know Chuck is the short version of that. But nobody would ever call me by my middle name if it weren't for my last name. And in fact, I didn't start going by it until I was in the Navy, and everybody figured out what my middle name actually was. So yeah. I feel like there's people that I was, you know, I served with who have no idea who my, what my first name is. So that's why I, I use both names basically in all aspects of life now, because there's people who know me as Jeff and there's people who know me as Chuck. Okay. So I want them not to be too confused. Right. I got to say, you do look like a Chuck though. Well, thank you. You know, I try to work on the beard <laughs> a little bit more. It just doesn't want to look as nice as Chuck's beard though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody's beard can look that nice. No. <laughs> all right, Chuck. So you run your own podcast. Uh, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Certainly. Uh, so like you said, uh, the podcast name is Chuck goes to the movies and I'm joined by different guests. Uh, and we talk about movies that have impacted our lives or influenced our love for movies. So, um, I'm about to drop episode 18 on Friday. So I'm still a young podcast, but it's been a lot of fun. We taught, we've talked about a lot of great movies, uh, all the way back to the beginning with teenage mutant Ninja turtles. And then, um, 
talking about uh, Gremlins this Friday. So there's just a nice, great mix of movies that have been in there across all genres, uh, action, horror, comedy, um, Christmas. I just, I'm concluding my Christmas in July special on Friday. So it's been a lot of fun. Just, uh, I love to sit around and talk about movies in general with uh, anybody who will basically lend me their ear. So one day I was, uh, my day job is I work on a ferry boat here in North Carolina and uh, I was talking about movies with one of my fellow mates, and uh, and I was also talking about my how I just discovered podcasts just a couple of years ago. And uh, he's just like, you know what, you should start your own podcast. And within like two hours, we had developed the entire like premise of what my show was going to be. And the next day, <laughs> I sat down in front of my computer and I started putting it all to work. And the rest is history. That's awesome. Yeah, we've had a couple buddies that have said like, oh, like, I wish we could do it, blah, blah, blah. Like, you guys have kind of kicked our ass into gear, like lit a fire underneath us. And I, like, it, it's so easy to get into. It is. And, and people are like, well, we wouldn't know what to talk about. And then I, we don't do podcast shout outs on the guest episodes, but I'm going to give Robbie a little shout out uh, from Out of the Blank podcast. He just like messages random people on instagram if they look interesting and then does an hour episode of him just shooting the shit like you can literally do it on anything yeah you gotta i gotta do that join you on that uh, shout out there robbie is awesome he's been a big helper and a big influence as to how my show has uh, kind of shaped since i first met him and he's been a regular guest on my show since uh we first met so he's been an awesome guy and you know i gotta give him props too he releases an episode every day i don't know how yeah, he does it that's insane yeah. <laughs> i don't get it and uh yeah like you've done 18 episodes but it goes by so quickly doesn't it yeah it, it doesn't feel like i should help i have 18 episodes out it feels like i literally just started this yesterday so there should only be a handful of those things out but uh 18 is 18 is awesome and i just uh i've got the rest of the year planned out almost and i just i look forward to just continuing to crank these out it's nice. awesome. That's awesome. We look forward to listening to more of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to having y'all on my show. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're very excited. Coming up soon. <laughs> y'all picked a great um, movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, I lo- I just can't wait to talk about it. It's uh, one of my favorites. Now, the movie you picked was Dead Silence, and I don't want to give too much of your, your view away, but uh, why did you pick this one for our podcast? Because it scares the shit out of me but in not like not like a bad way so i I love this movie um it's just it's got some great entertainment it's a little hokey in parts but it's got some really good entertainment um i kind of like the storyline a little bit but uh the thing that scares me the most is i am deathly afraid of clowns and i'm deathly afraid of dolls like lifelike dolls, dummies, ventriloquist dummies, and things like that. I can't watch the Chucky movies. I've never seen a Chucky movie to this day. Um, Oh, wow. uh, Like the old Goosebumps books, Night of the Living Dummy, those were the scariest to me. So, you know, a movie like this, just when it's about a doll, a ventriloquist doll, the only reason I sat down to watch it is because of the people who are behind it, you know, James Wan. Um, the, uh, The person who wrote it also wrote the movie Saw and things like that. And I love those movies. So I was like, okay, I have to give this a try and I have to work through my fear of dolls. And I'm so glad I did sit down and finally give this movie a try years ago. And because it did just end up becoming one of my favorite horror films. Yeah. 
Like, yeah, yeah, for myself, I only watched it when I first came out. I haven't seen it since. So I do remember bits and pieces, but I do have to agree with you. This movie scared the shit out of me. I, <laughs> I definitely do not like dolls as well, uh, which I learned yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> My grandmother used to have, she used to collect um, these like vintage, like Victorian dolls. And she would have them lined up in her, by her fireplace in the house and stuff like that. And they always creeped me out because she's like, no matter where you were in the room, they were staring at you. And I just, I, all I wanted to do was throw them in the fireplace and light them on fire. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, so like with my kids and stuff like that, when they have certain toys and things like that, I have been very sure to make sure they don't have anything that would scare me. (laughs) <laughs> okay if it scares them as well as yeah, it, yeah i can scare them all uh, for, for all i care but if it scares me it's not in this house <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome all right um yeah uh do you have anything else that you want to talk about chuck before we hop into this or you good no man i am ready to dive in all right nice. so we'll cue that theme music So like we said in the intro this week, uh, we're doing a guest episode with our buddy Chuck from Chuck Goes to the Movies, and he picked the movie Dead Silence from 2007 for us to watch. Yep. Uh, The synopsis, a young widower returns to his hometown to search for answers to his wife's murder, which may be linked to the ghost of a murdered ventriloquist. So they're kind of giving away the whole fucking movie right (laughs) now. Uh, so yeah, this movie, like we said, the intro was directed by James Wan and it was also written by Lee Wanell, who, like we mentioned previously, uh, they did the Saw movies together. I think they've done a couple, they did. Insidious? Well, yeah. Lee Wanell was in a, Insidious. Like, yeah. Did he write that too? I'm pretty yes. sure he yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, they work together quite often. Um, we've already Didn't done they go a to school together. Yeah, they did. That's how they yeah. met. Yeah. They're both Australian, I yeah. believe. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah, they met in Australia, or they are Australian, I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, we've already done a James Wan movie, obviously, with Saw. Um, So we talked about his directing credits. So this week, uh, I'm going to toss out some of his producer credits, which are uh, a lot more in abundance than his directing credits, actually. Um, Just a few to name. He's produced all of the Saw movies, uh, except for the first one. So from number two all the way to 3D, and he also did Jigsaw. Uh, he's produced every movie, I'm pretty sure every movie in the Conjuring universe, um, like even all the fucking spinoffs, and he's got uh, The Crooked Man that's coming out soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's done all of them. Uh, he produced Insidious Chapter 3 and Insidious The Last Key. Uh, he's got the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie, which I'm super pumped for. I don't care if it's shit. I'm <laughs> <stuck>. <laughs> uh, 
Um, he did Aquaman two, well, which is in post production or pre production, or it's been announced or something like that. And uh, he's also got an Aquaman TV show coming out apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's animated or if it's yeah. live action or what. But so, uh, have you seen all of these movies then, Chuck? That well, besides the ones that haven't been released yet. Yes, uh, except for uh, that last Insidious one. Uh, what what was it called? Last Key. Yeah, the last key. Yeah, I I really wasn't a huge fan of Insidious three. So when that one was announced, I'm just like, I could. <laughs> I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I've seen. I think I've seen pretty much almost every movie you mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I don't like Insidious one and two were so good, and then Chapter yeah. three and the last key were just like they just dove off a cliff. I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, a ch- chapter three. Uh, it, I I kind of see where they were going with it, but I just sort of, I don't feel like it hit the mark like the first two did. I loved the second one more than I loved the first one, and I know I don't. A lot of people don't share that opinion with me, but I really love how they dove into the backstory during the second movie, yeah. um, and stuff like that, and how they connected the storyline from the first one and stuff like that. So it was really. It was a necessary movie almost, and I really felt like it made the first movie even better. So without that second movie, I mean, Insidious is a great movie, but without that second one, Insidious would not have been as great. Mm-hmm. So that second one is the key <laughs> to kind of throw that word back out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I can agree with that. And I mean, like they're they're both like fantastic movies, like you said. So I mean, you liking the second one more than the first, like even if it's not a super popular opinion i don't think anybody can really fault you in that yeah no it's one of those rare sequels that i feel kind of did just a little bit better in my mind than the original yeah yeah all right so we'll move on to the cast uh i picked four of the top build cast or actors and actresses sorry and i gave one little honorable mention um so we'll start off with ryan Quentin or Quentin. Yeah. Uh, so he played Jamie. He's the main character. Uh, he's most known for True Blood, which I haven't seen any of. So I don't. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, Did man. You it out? Yeah. It's, uh, okay. I didn't watch the last couple seasons, but the first, you know, few seasons are so good. Okay. Yes. Agreed. So it's worth checking out then. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. See, they kind of, like. I feel like the show kind of came out like in the midst of the whole Twilight phase, so I was kind of yeah. like, "Oh, vampires! This is fucking stupid." These are no. vampires you can get behind, unlike Twilight. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. like Alexander Skarsgård in that yes. show is just amazing. He's the best part of that show. He is easily, and I, I, I have a crush on Anna Paquin, so it's also easy for me to watch that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll have to toss it on sometime then. Uh, he also did some voice acting in Legend of the Guardians, which was that movie with the owls. Yeah. Um, he was in uh, Knights of Badassdom. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching this when it first came out, and it's fucking insane. Uh, just a bunch of LARPers, like, fighting demons from hell. Uh, he was in Kill Chain with Nicolas Cage as well. Um, I don't know, like... Well, no, I'll talk about it later on, actually. I'm not going to bother talking about it right now. <laughs> All right. Kind of giving away part of my review. <laughs> uh, next, <laughs> next up is Amber Valletta, and she played Ella, who was, I guess, Jamie's stepmother. 
Yeah. Um, even though she's probably the same age as him, maybe a couple <laughs> of years older. Uh, she's not a gold digger at all. No. Um, she's known for Gamer with uh, Gerard Butler. Uh, she was I in like Hit. that movie. You like Gamer? Yes, I do. Yeah. We got a buddy that's fucking like obsessed with it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to rewatch it though. It's been a while, so I don't know if I'd like it or not, to be honest. Uh, she was also in Hitch, uh, Transporter 2. A uh, TV show called Revenge, which my wife was hard into um, when it was still on TV. And, I mean, I've checked out a few episodes. It was pretty good. Uh, the Spy Next Door with Jackie Chan. And uh, Premonition with Sandra Bullock. So she's, besides, like, Donnie Wahlberg, she's probably the most recognizable person. Well, actually, his dad, too, was pretty recognizable. Can't remember. Yeah, yeah he was, yeah. But uh, yeah, so next up is Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, he played Detective Lipton. Go figure, Donnie Wahlberg playing a detective once again. Podcast <laughs> <laughs> much? Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. <laughs> uh, so he's from Ransom with Mel Gibson. Uh, he's in Brooks' favorite movie, Dreamcatcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he played Duddits. I completely forgot that he uh, played that character in the movie. Um. He's in Blue Bloods, which is a hugely popular TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Zookeeper and Saw 2, 3, and 4, which is ironic because, like I said, he played a detective in those, and he's also a detective in this. And yeah. they are created by the same uh, director and writer. It's kind of funny because I was uh, my girlfriend was like kind of watching it with me a bit, and she's like, oh, is that the guy from Saw? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, actually, he is in it. And then... I was like, wait, who are you talking about? Like Donnie Wahlberg or like the Ryan Quantin? Cause he kind of looks like a young version of, uh, of doctor of Carrie Elway's. Yeah. And she's like, no, the doll. I was like, oh yeah, I guess he kind of does look like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the doll from saw did make an appearance in this film. He did. I was yeah. going to see if you guys caught that or not. I did not catch oh, that. Oh damn, people. did I spoil that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, no, it's a good, you'll have to let me know when it, uh, when it pops up. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And also, um, I don't know if you have this written down for Donnie Wahlberg, but his very small appearance in Sixth Sense. Oh. He's at the beginning of the movie. You're right. I forgot about that. Yes. Huh. Oh, shit. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Good call. Um, but yeah, the two dolls, and like the doll in this one and the doll in the Saw movies both have the same name, too, with Billy. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And see, even that's a creepy name for a doll, Billy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess. Seriously. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Because that's like a that's like actually a kid's name, like something that you would call a little kid. So it almost gives it more of like a lifelike quality, I guess. Uh lastly I uh I put Judith Roberts and she played Mary Shaw. Um, Brooke, you might recognize her from Eraserhead because you just watched that one. Yeah, I mean, that movie was, like, released, like, 30 years, 40, 50 years before this. So, I uh, definitely didn't recognize her when I watched Eraserhead. <laughs> uh, she was also in You Were Never Really Here, which uh, also stars Joaquin Phoenix. And that's one that I need to watch. It's been on, I can't remember what streaming service it's I think it's on. on Amazon Prime. Yeah, so it's been on my list on there for, like, the longest time. I've just never gotten around to watching it. But, uh yeah, she's also in Death Sentence with Kevin Bacon. Ooh, good uh, movie. Yeah, very good movie. She played the judge in that one. 
Um, she's also in a bunch of episodes of Orange is the New Black. That might have been after I stopped watching it, though, because I really don't recognize her from that. Yeah, me too. And she was also in The Nanny Diaries, which is awesome movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I said that I had an honorable mention. Um, if I don't know if you guys noticed, but Care Gilchrist played uh, young Henry yeah. at the theater. Um, yeah. So, Chuck, you know who that is? No clue. Have you seen the movie It Follows? Yes. Okay, so he's the... He's the like the friend, like the male that's in the main four. Oh, and he plays Sam on uh, Atypical. Atypical. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but now now uh, I'm going through the memories of it. Follows. Yes. Okay. I know. All right. I'm with you now. <laughs> he's actually a pretty good little actor. Like he didn't do too too much, but I mean, he played a scared little kid pretty good in this movie. Yeah. And uh, just looking at uh, up at now, um, the dad on uh, on this movie, he was the warden on Shawshank Redemption. Right, great movie. What's yeah. his, what's the actor's name? Bob Gunton. Bob Gunton. It's quite the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was also in um, a movie, Demolition Man. He was uh, mm-hmm. he yeah, was the police right. chief in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would remember that. You just watched that not too long ago for an episode, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Chuck, is there anybody that you want to mention in the cast before we move on? Or? No, because everybody else is kind of just like a secondary character, um, and I probably wouldn't be able to place them anywhere, so we can go on. All right, cool. cool. All right, Brooke. All right, let's get into this movie. So we're talking about Dead Silence from 2007. The movie opens up with a line that reads in the 6th century bc it was believed that the spirits of the dead would speak through the stomach of the living from the latin venter i don't know if i'm saying that right (laughs) for belly and loki to speak hence the word ventriloquist so the opening credits um are pretty awesome actually i I was really surprised like the music like james wan's always known for his music and stuff yeah and uh, just the opening credits of this was really awesome it shows like mary shaw writing her books and trying to make the perfect doll stuff like that or was it mary shaw or was it mary shaw <laughs> <laughs> um chuck and like if you want to cut in or anything like that feel free while we're talking like during the movie discussion well um since you brought up the music i definitely wanted to talk about that real quick because i think this movie has some of the greatest music in it it yeah. gives you that great yeah. creepy factor that just keeps you on edge throughout the whole movie if the plot of the movie didn't already keep you on edge but i really wanted to talk about the person behind the music uh charlie clauser okay okay yeah he's the composer of this mu- um of this music and he's uh done different projects for james wan and hollywood in general but he is um he's from the band nine inch nails oh really wow yeah. no way okay. yeah that's cool. so uh, i thought that was pretty uh, neat little tidbit there yeah yeah do you know did he do the music for saw because i found that this soundtrack was very similar to this uh, i thought i made a note of that hold on one moment i'm sorry that's all good Sometimes when I go back and I write notes elsewhere, I forget. Yeah, he scores all seven of the Saw films. Um, He also did the score for Dead Silence, Death Sentence, 
uh, Resident Evil Extinction, The Collection, and several other uh, kind of B-movies. Uh, yeah. And he's uh, been known to work with people like David Bowie, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, things like that. So, awesome. yeah, pretty talented guy. For sure. Definitely. Oh, definitely. I was going to say, like, this score sounded a lot similar to the score, like, in the first Saw movie more specifically. But, yeah, I can definitely hear it through. Yeah. Um, Chuck, what's your take on opening credits? Like, are you a fan of the opening credits or what's your take on them? Um, they were good. I, I, I enjoyed it. I like, uh, like just opening credits in general, you fan of like in movies, like the opening credits, like five, you know, five minutes long of showing everyone or you just want to like get right to the movie. Like what's your take on, on that? I I prefer movies that kind of just dive right in and get you into the story right away. I mean, yeah. Modern movies nowadays are really leaning towards that where they just dive right in and they save everything else for the end, which is fine. I, like I said, I'm completely for that. Um, this was still made uh, back in the time where just doing these long opening sequences uh, was still a thing. So it's not bothersome to me, but I've really grown accustomed to the new way of doing it where credits are saved for the end. So when you go back and sit down and rewatch this, I mean, I, I watched the entire opening sequence, but uh, if I were going to sit down and rewatch it again, I'd probably just go ahead and skip right to the start of the movie for me. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Like opening credits sometimes like these ones, like when it has that great music and just the awesome like imagery for it, it just makes it, you know, you're not like sitting there waiting for something to start. It just has something like you're attached to. It's almost pretty yeah. Yeah. And there's some iconic opening uh, sequences, not to get too far off topic here, but uh, one of my favorite opening uh, opening sequences for a movie is um, Stargate. I love the opening credits. It's the music. It's the buildup of the face of raw and everything like that. And I just, I love that. So that does, if it's done well, it doesn't bother me. If it's just, yeah. if it's nothing, but you're just staring at names and names and names, and there might be something yeah. happening in the background, then come on, let's just get to the point. Yeah. Fair enough. That's how I feel too. I think it's funny that you said about newer movies too, because there's some movies now that like the title card doesn't pop up until like 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, that's a thing now too. Like yeah. even like the departed, let's just say, like I think it's like eighteen minutes in or something like that. Like, yeah. You get a huge opening scene and then finally they drop the title card. Yeah, like there's a show I've been watching recently, I forget which one it was, but there would be like, you know, fifteen, twenty minutes of an opening, and then it would finally get to the opening, you know, title of the of the show or yeah. whatever. Was it called Game of Thrones by any <laughs> <laughs> No, it was not. I love that opening scene, like that uh, credit scene, but it's like, holy fuck. After yeah. you've seen it like 10 times. Like, yeah, it's actually uh, the show Hunters on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get back to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we are introduced to our main character, James. He's uh, fixing the sink with his wife, Lisa. They seem like a newly married couple, like kind of in that like honeymoon stage, it seems like. Like they still love each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so they get a knock on the door. It's a package of this big box. There's no note saying who it's from. They open it up and it's a ventriloquist dummy. It is Billy. Um, he is very creepy. <laughs> He's wearing a little suit, you know. And Lisa says that it reminds her of a poem she heard when, it, when she was a kid. 
And it goes like this. Beware the stare, Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, be sure to never, ever scream. And uh, I think that adds to the movie so much. Yeah, it's good little poem. Um, I guess then, the, sorry, yeah, I don't mean No, go ahead. I guess the poem in the trailer was a little bit different. I forgot to write it down, like what the difference was. But oh, was it? Yeah. I, f- I remember that too. Yeah, like one of the lines was different on it. I forget what it was. Huh. But uh, yeah, so they're looking at the doll and like the mouth like all of a sudden opens. Um, Jamie's going to go get Chinese food. Um, so the doll is, Lisa puts the doll on the bed and she's like looking through the closet and then the doll looks over at her, you know, get the lightning and then she looks back and the doll's back to where it was. Creepy stuff. <laughs> she puts a white sheet over him and she's like, puts a blanket in her stomach and is like, you can clearly tell that she wants to have a kid. Yeah. The music turns off in the living room and the clock starts stops and it kind of like all like slows down. I like the effect um, in this whole movie of like when that happens, when you know shit's going to barely go down the whole like dead silence. thing. Yeah, exactly. I want to know, like, I don't know if there's anything in the, the trivia or anything, but like, what is that signifying? Like, why, why did they come up with that? Like, where did that come from? I don't know. Do you, did I'm not you sure in the movie or anything? Like I didn't miss something. No, I think, I don't know. <clears throat> um, so I got yeah. a theory about yeah. it. Okay. Uh, so kind of like going with what you said, you know, the title of the movie is dead silence. And so I think it signifies that, the the doll or the the spirit of Mary Shaw is silencing the people that end up dying, you know, at the presence of these dolls and stuff like that when they scream and stuff like that, their tongues taken and everything. So it's just it's more of a metaphor for what's about to happen. You know, silence is happening everywhere and you're about to be silenced permanently. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. Because they silenced her, right? Like they cut her tongue out whenever they mm-hmm. killed her. So yeah. yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. So Lisa goes up to the blanket. She's kind of about to go in, and then you just hear like knife sloshes and stuff like that, and uh, she gets pretty fucked up. <laughs> she gets like pulled in, and then um, I don't know if it's this part where it shows what happened to her face, but. Uh, Jamie comes home. Everything is like back on normal. There's a kettle back on and he's kind of like, Hey Lisa, where are you? And nothing happens. And then Lisa says, I'm in here. And it's so creepy. (laughs) He like goes in the hallway. She's like talking to him still, but then he sees the blood and you know, he doesn't really freak out (laughs) much at all. But uh, he goes into the room and pulls the sheets off of the bed and Lisa's head is there and with her tongue just fucking ripped right out. It's like Billy like took her bottom jaw and just kind of like ripped, not ripped it all the way off, but like kind of like King Kong did the T-Rex in the... In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. think, uh, think of Beetlejuice when... Um, yes. Uh, Gina Davis is uh, like opening up her face or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your bottom jaw just falls right off. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think Billy is just like sitting in the rocking chair or something beside the bed. Yeah. And 
the way they cut to the next scene i thought was awesome like usually you know you do like one camera zoom through through someone's eyeball but it goes through uh jamie's like eye twice and i loved how they cut to the next scene of him sitting in the police station getting interviewed by detective lipton and i tried to come up with a funny uh tea pun but i couldn't <laughs> <laughs> he does look like uh like a green tea cut kind of kind of guy damn you stole my thought <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's funny he's like talking to James and he has this little tiny shaver and we just did predator and there was a guy randomly shaving in that. And I was like, why are dudes just always like shaving randomly? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they just don't like the five o'clock shower or something. I don't know what's up. He does that. it as an intimidation technique. So he's doing it to make Jamie feel uncomfortable. The sound of the razor up against the skin and stuff like that. You, you think it's something innocent. Like, yeah, you know, he just wants to get rid of that five o'clock shadow, but Quite honestly, it's the sound. It's supposed to make Jamie so uncomfortable that he just wants to get out of the room. So he's going to do and possibly say whatever he needs to to get it on his way. That's funny because I don't know if you've seen the movie Stealing Harvard, but uh, yes. the cop in that, he's always shaving as well. So I don't, maybe it's uh, hmm. a cop thing. <laughs> that makes sense, though. It does definitely make sense. Yeah. I'd be uncomfortable as shit. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, I'd be questioning, really? Now's the time to shave? My watch just got murdered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Jamie is, uh, or the detective's telling Jamie that he needs an alibi. And Jamie's like, well, what do you mean? Detective Lipton's like, well, I mean, clearly you killed your wife. You know, <laughs> you're the only one there. You say some dummy did it. Like, come on, like, you're crazy, man. And uh, I didn't think that the mustache worked for uh, Donnie Wahlberg in this movie. That's just my opinion, but. <laughs> I don't think Donnie Wahlberg worked for this movie at all. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, poor Donnie. Wow. Um, so Jamie is telling the detective that the dummy brings death to those around you. And uh, he thinks that the dummy killed killed her. And or someone who sent the dummy. Yeah, or someone who sent the dummy. Mm-hmm. Um, she was missing her tongue, obviously, and because uh, he was saying to the detective, like the detective said, "Oh, you said that she was talking to you, but how could she talk to you when her tongue was ripped out?" Mm-hmm. And uh, good detective work, Donny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then James just kind of like gets up, is like, "Okay, like I'm done here. I'm not under arrested, right?" And then he's like. Says something about it gives me more time to do your job for you. So he's pretty much, you know, doing the detective work himself. Yeah, because Donnie's like not hearing any of this. Like he doesn't want to investigate it. He doesn't want to do any detective work at all. He just wants to like lock him up and throw away the key. And that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. And uh, so Jamie goes back to his apartment. I thought it was funny that he just can casually walk into his own, you know, crime scene again. <laughs> There's no cops on duty whatsoever. It's almost like Donnie's the only uh, cop in the movie. <laughs> that is true. So he grabs the dummy. Um, he's like looking around the box, trying to find a clue and finds a rip in it. And he peels back the red uh, fabric and sees a kind of poster of the amazing Mara Shaw in, and Billy in Raven's Fair. So James is on his way to Raven's Fair 
The town is pretty run down. All the stores are closing. And uh, I thought it was like, at first, I thought it was a co- pretty like big coincidence that Raven's Fair like is where he's from like originally. But I mean, you kind of learn why yeah. later on in the movie. So he goes to visit his dad and his stepmom live there. And uh, the dad's saying, like, oh, you know, come in for dinner. Like, you can stay here. And James kind of says, like, oh, you've done the least you can do my whole life. So clearly he's not been the best dad. Well, Ella, like, she tells him, like, oh, your dad's different now. And he's like, no, like, there's no way. Like, you don't know him yeah. like I do. And then he gets upstairs and he's in a wheelchair. And she or they kind of explain that he's had a stroke and that's like kind of changed his life and his attitude on everything. Yeah. And uh, I think he's like walking through and there's all, he's showing the stepmom all these pictures and portraits. And he's like, you know, this is where my mom was in this picture and he took her out of it because she killed herself. And then this poster, his second wife was in this, but he took her out because she had left him. So it kind of shows like what kind of person he was. And uh, James is asking the dad about the poem that his mom used to tell him as a kid. And uh, the stepmom knows which poem he's uh, talking about. So James goes to see Henry Walker. He owns the uh, funeral home in town who uh, is doing Lisa's funeral. He kind of is asking James, like, oh, what about Lisa's family? He kind of says, I think, that her family was never really around Mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, we also meet Marion, who is Henry's wife. Right. She's playing with a dead crow. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. And uh, so James is at a hotel. And for some reason, I don't know, I wouldn't do this, but he brings the doll inside the hotel when, you know, you, it just killed your wife. Why would you bring it in the hotel? I was wondering that too. Like, I would have kept that thing in like a lockbox somewhere. Yeah. Or destroyed it already. Yeah, I would not be carrying yeah. it around with me at all. So, this next scene is one of the first really terrifying scenes. Uh, James is sleeping in bed, and then all you see is uh, Billy like looking out the window, kind of in a chair, and the red light from the sign is on, and it keeps flashing, making that humming noise and then you slowly hear everything everything go silent and the doll's eyes start to move and it's honestly it scared the fuck out of me i hate yeah. it so much <laughs> oh so you see mary shaw she shows up in the corner and uh she kind of like comes at james and he doesn't scream he just kind of runs and turns the light on so the next morning James is going back to Henry's, um, or no, sorry, before that, Henry receives Lisa's body, and he's kind of about to do his uh, funeral director work, and he opens the bag, and then he just says, like, oh, no, it can't be. And then this is where you meet Mary, and she's in this kind of crawl space area, and she's holding a dead crow. I don't know, like, do you know why? Like what the dead crow represents, or is she just fucked? I don't know because she's at she's outside, like on the front porch. Whenever Jamie first gets there, too, mm-hmm. but like I don't know. We all know that crows symbol like symbolify death. Yeah. So I don't know if that's got something to do with it, or if I don't know. Yeah. 
you know, she's, she's not all there throughout the movie. No, she's, too, so she's constantly talking to the crow and stuff like that. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. It might be a symbol of death, like uh, you said, but uh, I, I really didn't, I really couldn't put too much stock into it being more than just, Hey, here's this batshit crazy woman playing with the dead crow. Yeah. 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 I'm sure there's more meaning to it. I mean, none of us just caught it. <laughs> yeah. I blame uh, Henry, like get her a real pet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Henry is get, gets her out of the, uh, the crawl space. I guess she goes down there when she's scared and he kind of goes back to the body, leaves his body. And he has this fucking massive camera that's bigger than his head. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's kind of like hesitating to take a picture of her, but he takes a picture and then it shows her uh, her face again. So now we're at Lisa's funeral and there's a few people there other than Jamie and I'm not too sure who it was. Like there was a girl standing behind him who kind of looked like uh, the young girl on Beetlejuice, you know, the way she was dressed up. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not too sure who was at Lisa's funeral, but uh, people well, is Lisa from that town too? Yeah, I think so. Eh? So was she? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I was thinking it was just like people from the town, maybe. Yeah, maybe. They were kind of ambiguous about that. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, so after the funeral, Jamie sees uh, Marion kind of walking away. And he goes and follows her, and he comes to a dead end, or a dead end. But then uh, Marion comes up to him and starts, you know, talking gibberish, crazy stuff. And Henry comes and gets her. And then, as she's going away, you hear her say, the, "They must bury the doll." And so Jamie finds Mary Shaw's grave. She was born in 1869 and died in 1941. Um. Oh yeah, so he goes back to the car and he's uh I think driving back to the the hotel at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as he's driving to the uh Billy's like sitting in the front seat. Is it this scene? Yeah. Yeah. He's sitting in the front seat, and then you just see his like eyes like move to the side, and it's honestly so creepy <laughs> when he does it. Um and uh, oh yeah, so he finds all of the uh, the dolls' graves, like all one hundred of the graves, and he buries Billy, and uh, everything like stops like around him before he's about to bury it, and then like the mouth opens up and just creepy shit. <laughs> and he's sitting outside the car, and then all these like noises start happening, and then you see Billy pop up outside of the car window, mm-hmm. and uh, Jamie's back at the hotel. And Billy's back as well, as well as uh, Detective Lipton. And I don't know how Lipton got in there, but I guess he's doing his fancy uh, detective work. Can pick locks and shit. I about yeah. to say, the motel isn't like state-of-the-art. He probably just walked right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because then Jamie breaks into Lipton's room. Yeah, just walks morning. in. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, Lipton's, you know, he's shaving again. Got to get rid of that 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> He's uh, asking Jamie why he buried the doll, saying how it's, you know, evidence in a murder case. And uh, Jamie's telling him, basically, if you ever see her to make sure you'll never, you never scream or she'll rip out your tongue. And, uh, and then Lipton makes a joke about his wife 
something about like, oh, that's why she was missing her tongue or something. Yeah. Something like that. Bold move. Carl. Yeah. <laughs> so Lipton takes Billy with him. And he's like, all right, see you around neighbor. And then Jamie's like neighbor and he goes out and <laughs> Lipton has the room right beside him. So the next morning, Jamie just strolls into his room and just takes the doll back. <laughs> and he's going to the funeral home to ask Marion about uh, the doll. And she doesn't say anything. And Henry comes up and Marion's like, oh, I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't talk to him. And uh, Henry tells him he's not supposed to have the doll. And he starts telling Jamie about uh, Mary Shaw how she was the ventriloquist who lost her voice and that she performed at the theater at the Raven's fair. And you get a flashback to back whenever she was uh, the, uh, the star at the theater. And uh, I thought this whole flashback was done really well. I loved it. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, I don't know if the actress like in this scene was like actually, you know, like a ventriloquist. Oh, like person. in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or if it was just like the actress. I don't know. Yeah. She did a good job. Yeah. Much to the. Yeah. So <laughs> she's uh she's up on stage. She doesn't have Billy and she's kind of doing her performance like, oh, Billy, where are you? And then you hear like Billy's voice like in the crowd. And then she points to a, a young boy and it's uh, Kira Gilchrist and who is, he plays young Henry. And uh, Billy's underneath his seat. So he brings it up and she's doing her thing. And then a boy in the crowd says, well, I can see your lips moving. And she just gives him the biggest death there. Oh, man, she's ready to kill him right there. Yeah. And everyone in the theater just kind of like is shocked. Like, oh, you can't say that. <laughs> what are you doing? And uh, so pretty much Billy is like going back and forth with this kid, you know, saying, Let's, you know, I want to prove myself to this kid. Like I'm as real as, as he is. And they're like going back and forth and the whole crowd is getting like pumped up, like amazed of how she's doing this. And they start clapping and stuff like that. And Henry says, uh, not long after that, she was murdered. Um, all 101 dolls of her were buried, buried with her. Well, she was murdered because that boy went missing and they all assumed it was her. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I guess into that later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so on her will or whatever it was, she requested to get her dolls buried with her, like I said, but she also got requested to get changed into a doll herself. And, oh man, it's so <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> so little young Henry sneaking down to his dad's, uh, funeral area. And he's kind of like sneaking into like the open coffin and you can see it kind of start to tip over and then it tips over and her body just falls out right at him. And you just see her fucking face. Oh man. <laughs> that was so well done too. Like her mouth is cut open and like a, a dummy. Yeah. Like that bottom jaw. Like you can tell it's like, oh, it was creepy as hell. Yeah. yeah. So Henry shows Jamie like all the pictures he's taken of all the families that have been murdered and they've all been made to look like dolls as well. And all of their tongues were uh, ripped out and posed in family portraits. Like she doesn't give a fuck a kid, <laughs> you know, Kill them all. yeah. 
So Jamie decides he's going to go to the theater where she lived. He goes there. He has to take a boat over because it's all like flooded little like canal there now. This and theater is like a really cool, like, yeah, a really was. cool set. Like the way that he had to get to it, and once he got in there, yeah. Um, so he's checking out the inside of the theater. He's uh, going like on like up above the stage area. I'm not sure what that that thing's called, but uh, anyway, so he makes it across, and this is where her house is. He finds this book. And then in the mirror, in the mirror, you see like Mary, like go by in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the book that has all of her drawings to make a perfect doll from the beginning. And then you see a picture of the boy from, uh, from before Michael Ashen is his name. So he's obviously related to Jamie somehow. So Marion is talking to Billy. Um, and then his, uh, I think Henry goes downstairs at this point. Yeah, he like at this at point, him. and Billy's like up on the thing, and uh, Henry's down at the crawl space, and he hears noises. He thinks it's Marion. Then you just see the creepy eyes just move so slowly every time it gets me. And uh, so Henry goes in the crawl space, and he's trying to flush. He sees someone like leaning, <coughs> sitting over there. And he's like, Marion, Marion. And he just keeps crawling in so far. Like, I didn't understand why he would do that. But I'd be bored enough to just crawl space as it was, let alone fucking. Yeah, like if your wife keeps there. going down there, man, like, board it up. Not a fan of the crawl spaces. No, no not at all. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, clearly, you know, was not her. And. So he goes, it kind of like tips over and it's not anyone there. And then the door closes and uh, he's like, goes up to the door and he's banging on it. And he's like, Marion, open the door, open the door, Marion. And then you just like hear something in it. And uh, he like looks back and then he, you just see Barry Shaw like come at him and he just starts screaming. And uh, well, you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> So Jamie is now back at his dad's house. He's asking his dad who Michael Ashen is. He's pretty much telling him that uh, Michael was his great uncle. Uh, so after his uncle went missing, his great uncle went missing, his whole family and a lot of the townspeople, they all knew that it was Mary Shaw who had something to do with him going missing. So they forced her to scream and then they cut out her tongue and she's been pretty much getting her revenge on his whole family and the, uh, the whole town. So detective Lipton shows up at the house. He's pretty much saying that he went back to the gravesite and all 100 dolls are missing. There's no one there. He asked everyone in town about Mary Shaw and everyone says that uh, they've never heard of her. And Jamie's pretty much saying, well, of course they're not going to talk about her because they don't want to end up like everyone else. And then you get a, um, a phone call come in and it's for Jamie. So it's Henry on the other line. And obviously we know it's not Henry, but Jamie doesn't. And he's pretty much saying to Jamie, meet me at the theater. Um, I know who killed your wife pretty much. So 
It's like a very ghostly kind of like voice too. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So Lipton uh, says pretty much like, okay, like you're under arrest, like you're not going anywhere. But then Jamie just pushes him away and starts, starts uh, running away from him and Lipton has to chase after him. By the way, I have to say this is probably the most anticlimactic car chase I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. And I love how his like shitty like cop line when he like runs away, he's like, "God, oh, don't run away! I don't even have a full tank of gas." <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the movie theater or the theater, and uh, Jamie gets on the boat. It appears that it's the only boat that's there, but apparently it's not. Um, so Lipton shows up. He has a shotgun. Jamie is uh, following Henry's voice all the way to her house. Lipton makes it in there with him and uh yeah I'm not sure I guess there was two boats obviously but mm-hmm. uh, yeah he found that second boat yeah <laughs> so um so they find I think this is where yeah they find like a secret wall area and uh, I have to say that was really really cool I love that little secret wall that just you wouldn't know it's there unless you go right up to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's kind of it looks Great like all like wallpaper, and then you kind of see like a little like black like line going down, and then mm-hmm. Jamie kind of figures it out. Um. So yeah, so at, at this point too, I think Jamie says like, "Oh, it's Mary Shaw," and then the kind of an exchange. Lipton says like no, it's not her. And then they kind of see her ghost, I think. And then Lipton says, if you say, I told you so, I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) Um, And Jamie says like, whatever happens, don't, don't scream. So they go behind the secret wall. They find her workshop where uh, all of her dolls and stuff are. And uh, Jamie throws, you know, Lipton throws a doll and then, all this like sheet comes down all 100 dolls are perfectly in these little uh displays like on a wall yeah it looked like more than 100 to me i don't know if that's just me but they looked like i don't know 100 is a lot i guess yeah so uh someone brought them back here they're all there except for one which i'm guessing it's billy um they find michael ashen's body he's uh showing up like a doll and man he's fucking disgusting yeah, like his eye, eyeballs are like cut Comedy. out kind of and uh yeah so this it is seems pretty well preserved for how old he's supposed to be or how long he's supposed to have been dead that's very true yeah he did um what were you gonna say this is where we see billy from saw as well like mm-hmm. just oh, is it? Glimpse. Yeah. oh okay i didn't catch it at all. it kind of gives you like a side shot of like them walking through the to the room yeah and then you can see him like leaned up against a pillar okay so they're like looking at the dolls and then um the dolls are like moving their heads and like the build-up to it is like so well done because it just starts with one doll slowly move its head and then the next one goes slowly and then they just all in sequential order just move their head all down the line and they're all following it and uh, then it gets down to a clown doll in a rocking chair. And so clown came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right? So um, they're like looking at the doll and then 
they uh, he says that is Mary Shaw that goes through it. And I think the doll, does the doll talk to him? Clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, she kind of like, like Mary's like possessing the doll. The doll, yeah. She says something, like she says a bunch of shit. Like, yeah, she like comes at them and then uh, Detective Lippin just shoots it with a shotgun. And then she, is this where she goes inside the, all the other dolls? Yeah. Yeah. So like, but before that, like you see Mary behind that clown doll and she's like sticking her tongue like, yeah, oh, it's yeah, all yeah. strung together and it's lick, licking him. Oh, it's just disgusting. Yeah, and she like says to him, he asks her, why are you doing this? And she says, to silence all those who silence me, um, it's hard to construct the perfect doll. And she says, like, come closer and I'll tell you. Yeah. And Jamie's like, all right, I'll go. And Lipton's <laughs> just like, no, no, don't, don't do it. <laughs> and he gets closer and she keeps saying, like, oh, come closer. I'll tell you the secret. And then she says, uh, whispers to him, you weren't the last Ashen. He was inside Lisa. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then this is where Mary's uh, like face comes to the doll and Lipton just shoots it. And then she goes in all the other dolls and uh, they start. Yeah, they start shooting other dolls and that they catch on fire. This, this scene was so terrible in my opinion really like the way yeah. it's like coming through the dolls and like oh the okay were all struck yeah yeah like, this looks so bad yeah okay i can agree with that so they're both like running away um mary's like chasing after them they're going over this bridge and at the start whenever J- or, uh, jamie comes the first time like a piece breaks off and you're like okay like don't go over that fucking thing is gonna break and they both go on it and uh, the bridge breaks and Lipton falls. And as he's falling, he screams. And then Mary Shaw just comes through and like, just like kind of like tackles him through the, uh, um, the curtain. Yeah. And uh, she rips his tongue out, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah and, then, was- yeah. and then Jamie falls off it and then he's like about to scream and then he just covers his face and doesn't scream. And falls through the floor into this water, and then swims out back to uh, to the the shore, I guess. And then he realizes that Billy is still alive and missing. So Jamie goes to the funeral home. He uh, finds Marion holding Henry, and you see Henry's face. And oh man, it never gets old. <laughs> she says that. His dad came and took Billy and he's kind of like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like my dad, he can't walk. And I haven't watched the movies since the first came out. And like, I remembered like bits and pieces of it, but I totally forgot about the ending. Yeah. me too. So this ending surprised the fuck out of me. Um, yeah. So Jamie goes back to his dad's house. It's dark and empty. He finds Billy in kind of this room and there's like a fire going. It's empty. And then Mary shows up and Jamie throws Billy in the fire. And then uh, Mary Shaw like kind of goes away. And he's kind of like walking around the room and you see his dad in the wheelchair just sitting there silently. And then you go up. He goes up to his dad and his dad like peels over on him. And he's like, oh, fuck. And then you see in his back this fucking wooden 
I don't know. Like, a, like the thing that like controls the ventriloquist. Yeah, and just like cut out in his back, and holy fuck, I did not see that coming. Like that surprised the hell out of me. And then you find out that, I guess the stepmom was Mary Shaw the whole time, or she was like, what's your first time seeing this truck? Like, what was your reaction to that ending? Um, after the big reveal about the dad, I mean, you kind of go back and you realize all the signs are there that something was off about him. You know, he was constantly pale every time he was talking, you know, the stepmom was standing there and she always had her arm behind him and stuff like that. And you're just like, well, shit, why didn't I see this coming? Yeah. But, uh, from there, the, the big reveal about who she was, I thought uh, quite honestly, that almost ruined the ending of the movie for me. I thought it was a little hokey. Yeah. Yeah. So is she like a descendant of Mary Shaw or is she like Mary Shaw? Like the way it makes the way they made it look is that like Mary was like possessing her because Mary didn't have any children according to that poem. So there'd be no true. So I don't, but then like it said in the movie that Mary lives through her dolls yeah. and like the dad was a doll, but yeah. like who was the stepmom? Exactly. And yeah, Chuck, I'm with you. Like the ending of the movie, like, I don't know. I'll talk about it more in my review, but wasn't a fan. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much the end of the movie, it kind of shows this like flashback to Jamie realizing, you know, what's happening. Then I think the movie just kind of ends. Well, Jamie screams. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that, that was the other part. I'm like, he made it to the whole movie and then he screams now. Come on. Yeah. 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 That's true. But uh, yeah, that's the way the blood splatters. Hey. All right. So we'll hop into those reviews. If Chuck, if you're ready. I am ready. Let's do All it. Right. Do you want to lead the charge? Start with your story. Certainly. Um, I t- kind of took what y'all do and I expanded on it a little bit. I hope y'all don't mind. Not at all. Nope. All right. So for story and uh, quality, uh, there I gave it several different scores and then I'm going to give it a full average for my final score. So yeah, I based my scores off of different things. So like uh, the ventriloquist bad omen story gave it a two out of 10 because I really feel like the whole bad omen story in a horror film is kind of just overplayed. You find it in almost every horror film you're going to watch. And while this one has a unique twist on it, I just like, can we, can we come up with something a little bit more original, I guess? <laughs> so uh, I gave that a two out of 10. Um, the whole police can never get it right. Part of the story, you know, I'm I'm the victim here, so I got to go do my own police work and stuff like that. I really feel like it. You know, movies tend to shit on the police a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, yeah. The, that just gets overplayed a lot. So I also gave that a two out of ten. Um, and then the whole estrangement from the family thing, you know, it really helped to drive the story. I, I initially gave it a two out of ten, but I'm gonna I'm gonna upgrade that a little bit. I'll give it a three out of ten. Uh, the whole estrangement from the family. Uh, again, just another story and a plot line that I feel is overplayed in a horror setting. It just, uh, I, I would like to see something a little bit more refreshing in these movies. Yeah. I do love the old mortician know-it-all thing. So that that's popped up in movies before, but not as often. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or it's not always necessarily a mortician. It's somebody who is kind of like older, wiser, kind of already seen it. You know, you see these things in um, like the Final Destination movies. Yeah. You know, there's that guy who just knows everything about what's happening and whatnot. Uh, I gave that a five out of 10. Uh, the taking out of the tongues, as disgusting as that was, I loved that part of the story because I thought that was pretty, that was pretty, uh, it led to a very, like I said, disgusting, unique way of presenting some horror there towards the end, especially with that clown scene. Yeah. Um, gave that a six out of 10. And then the involvement of the town, um, I didn't understand why nobody, I guess, I guess I, if I really want to think about it, um, the reason, like you said, nobody wanted to talk about it in the town is because they're all afraid of the story and stuff like that. But I find it very hard to believe that nobody in this town wants to acknowledge its history. But we are living in 2020 where we're trying to erase history. So, you know, I guess it does kind of make sense. I gave that a three out of ten. So ultimately, for me, story and quality, I gave I give it a three out of ten. Okay. All right. Wow, that's actually very surprising. <laughs> yeah. I was saying. But, you know, I'm the one who picked this movie, and I love this movie. I know giving it a three out of ten just kind of is kind of shocking to me. It's that, but like we've talked about it in previous episodes too. Like you can love the movie just by like having fun with it, but like whenever you look at it that, from a critical standpoint, it's like you know what, like, I don't actually feel this way about this movie, but, like, I kind of have to give it these scores. Yeah, yeah. if I had to think about it critically, exactly. Like, there's, I feel what movie we mentioned about it. It's, like, it's such a fun movie, even though it's, like, not a good movie. Yeah. All right, Brooke, do you want to go or do you want to go? <laughs> sure. I feel I'm going to feel out of place here, geez. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, guys. No, 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 because no, no, I, I have a feeling I know what Mark's scores are, but uh, so like I rated this movie like pretty much right after I watched it. So my scores are probably really high, like compared to you. And like after talking with you guys about it, my scores probably would change, but I'll just say what my scores were to start, like once I rated it. So for my story, I gave it a nine out of 10. Um, I thought like story Mary Shaw was like really awesome and like kind of super original. Um, like this girl who was, you know, super good ventriloquist, but she ended up getting her tongue cut out and now she kills, you know, gets revenge on the people who did this to her and the, the family. So I thought that was cool and like original. Um, I did like the twist ending, but now like that we kind of talked about it, it kind of does take, take it you know, back a bit. Like I thought the dad part with him being a, a, a like a eventually was dummy the whole time. I thought it was cool, but the stepmom thing was kind of confusing as well. So I'd probably push my story back to like a seven out of 10. Um, there was a few, like, you know, why would you do that moments in the movie? Yes. Um, I thought they, that they explained everyone, like everything pretty well. Like it doesn't, didn't feel rushed. Like movies only an hour and a half, but it still felt like they, jam-packed a lot of info in it but didn't really like just dump it all on you at once they kind of like spread it out a bit and i i felt like engaged like from start to finish through the whole movie um so yeah i'll stick i'll go seven out of ten for my story and for for quality i gave it a nine out of ten um i was really surprised by this movie like i thought it 
like quality wise, it was really good. Um, the standout for me, obviously, like was the music and the puppet work slash like design of all the puppets. Like the amount of work that it went into this movie just with, you know, the special effects and everything is amazing. And like you said at the beginning, the the music in this is uh, is awesome. Um, I thought the acting was like pretty good. Like Danny, Donnie Wahlberg, you know, he wasn't that great, to be honest. He didn't really do much as a cop at all, but I don't know, whatever. Um, I thought that the uh, the old man that played Henry did a really good job. I think he was the best in the whole movie. Just that scene of him in the crawl space, um, you really believe that he was truly terrified in that crawl space. Mm-hmm. I thought the, the cinematography was great. Like this, like Mark, you said, the set design I thought was really done really well. Um, yeah. I definitely need to add this to my uh, my rotation, I think. And I think this is definitely James Wan's, one of his best movies, in my opinion. Oh. But that, that's my take on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, go 7 out of 10 for story and quality and 9 out of 10. All right. All right, Mark. So, Chuck, I'm like right on par with you, but. Uh, I didn't enjoy the movie. Um, wow. My story, I gave it a three to 10. I said, possessed dolls are overdone, especially now, but this one didn't do the subgenre any favors, even for its time. Uh, I remember really liking this movie whenever it first came out, but then, and then like I, I've watched it. This will be my third time. So I watched it whenever it first came out. I think uh, yeah, I was 18, 2007 and I loved it. Then I watched it a few years later, loved it again. And then that was the last time I watched it. Yeah. Now, fuck, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I will, but I don't know. Uh, I get the revenge aspect of it, like with Mary Shaw, but like, I mean, after 60 years, I think it's time to get over it. Um, <laughs> you don't need to kill an entire bloodline. Uh, there's too many crossovers and references to uh, Juan's other films, like including Saw and like a, a bunch of other films that he hasn't even done before. It's just like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like, Oh, I like this movie. I'm going to toss a reference into this one that I'm making. Yeah. Um, you can really tell. And this is like, I don't know if it was a trivia I read on IMDb or if it was somewhere else, but like James Wan and Lee one didn't really have a lot of, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, like the production company kind of had their hands in it a lot more than they did with uh with saw so like one and one out didn't really have their own take on it like what they really wanted to do i don't think oh, okay and i feel like you can tell like their hearts really weren't into this one like saw was such an incredible movie and then they come up with this like shortly after and in my opinion it's not a very good movie uh the ending did not make sense to me at all like who the hell is ella I think the ending would have been a lot better if we found out that, oh shit, like the poem's wrong and Mary did actually have like, yeah. a daughter yeah. and like Ella's her granddaughter and she's like seeking revenge, like continuing it on or something like that. Yeah. But like, who is Ella? Yeah. Like we don't, we have no idea who she is. Right. Um, But like that scene, like with the dad, like I thought that was really cool. Like, yeah. How he was like the ventriloquist dummy. Like I, like Brooke, you said you completely forgot about it. I did too. 
So whenever that happened, I was like, oh shit, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I gave the story a three to 10. My, <clears throat> excuse me, my quality, I gave a four to 10. So the acting was very subpar and the script was no better. Uh, really did not like <laughs> Quantin. Um, like this dude just lost his wife and he's like not upset at all. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to fucking run to my hometown and go bitch at my dad <laughs> and then sit in a hotel room and not even cry at the funeral or anything like that. Like he was just very emotionless. And I mean, like if I lost my wife, I think I'd be a little bit more upset. Yeah, I, I'll, I would agree with you on that. But can I can I play devil's advocate and throw out a little uh, a little love for him on this one? Okay, because I feel like he spends the entire movie in a state of shock after his wife is murdered. So yeah, he kind of goes on the he's he spends the majority of the movie emotionless and things like that, and very distant and withdrawn. And I think in his head. He's still kind of processing everything. I'm not sure that's exactly what's going on, but if I were to try to write off why he is the way he is throughout the movie, I would assume that's all it is. It's a state of shock. He's got this mystery. He doesn't know who killed his wife. He's got this creepy-ass doll. Um, and he just wants to get to the bottom of it so he can find that closure. Yeah. yeah. And then enough. like once he finally does, then he can finally grieve and... Yeah, Which I he doesn't get that. a chance to do because the dumbass screamed at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah, that's a fair point. I'll take that. Not changing my score though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donnie Wahlberg is arguably the worst detective in the history of film <laughs> in this movie. In this movie, um, he does like zero detective work at all. I think he shaves his face more than he like searches for clues or investigates anything. uh he's literally just following jamie around and trying to catch him doing something that can incriminate him yeah uh i found brooke i do agree with you like the guy who played henry did a fantastic job um although i disagree and i think judith roberts was the best part of this film um dead end oh okay yeah i didn't i didn't really consider her or think of her to be honest but yeah like even when she was alive she was like super super creepy and like the way that her makeup was done up and yeah, I think yeah, like, it's like sing-songy voice she used yeah. to start her show with. You know, Billy, Billy, where are you? It's like, yeah. God, uh, if I heard that, I'd probably just leave the theater. <laughs> yeah, already. And like the ambiance of the room too, like it was very dark and like quiet. And then you just see her sitting on stage, and she, there's like a little bit of light on her, but it's not like a full spotlight. Like she's still kind of sitting in the dark. I don't know. I just found it was really good. Uh, I wish we saw more of her ghost. Like she's only on the screen like a couple of times and it's only for like a few seconds every time. Like, I feel like they did such a good job with how they made her look. Like I would have loved to see her more. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Cause the movie's more about the dolls. I think. That's it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And how her spirit manifests through them. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Cause we do see the dolls quite often. Um, when we see the people that have been killed, like their mouths are like ripped wide open and it's always quick shots, but like we never get to see like what actually happens. Like you kind of see like Henry, like you see like a, some fly past his face and then all of a sudden like his jaws like down to his freaking chest, but you don't really see like what's actually happening. Like is she grabbing and like ripping it wide open or what? Um, 
And also another thing too, like whenever you see the pictures of the people that she's killed in the past, they look like dummies, like how she does, like with their jaws, like kind of yeah, like floppy. You yeah. Know what I mean like a ventriloquist dummy, but like how do they get to that point from whenever she rips their jaws off? Like, does she sew it back on? Like it, does her ghost yeah. do it? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. Just looking on IMDb, it has a 14 a rating. That's fine. So maybe like if it, had you know a higher rating yeah. they could have shown more that's fair more of that stuff maybe that's fair um but yeah so that's pretty much the end of it like i'm just repeating myself at, at <laughs> but yeah so i get my story at three to ten and my quality of four to ten nice all right i did not expect any of this to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we talk about movies Chuck, when you left for a minute, I said to Brooke, I'm like, I'm going to have an unpopular opinion. And then all of a sudden you come in and drop a three. I was like, oh, shit, okay. But you enjoyed it, at least. Yeah, no, I, I do enjoy this film, despite um, the score I gave it. Because it would be one of those, that I'm not going to sit down and rewatch it every month, but I, I can imagine it being like a yearly rewatch for me because yeah. when I did sit down and rewatch it to gather my notes for this episode, I'm just like, man, why haven't I been watching this movie before? I actually did forget how much I enjoyed it. If I just can, if I can turn off the critical side of my brain and just really turn up the more enjoyment side of it, it's definitely one of those rewatchables for me. Yeah. I feel like I might be in the same boat, like with like shutting off the critical side, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I should hard. I should on the evil dead a few months back. (laughs) Oh no. uh, Wait, which evil dead did you shit on the new one or the original? The original. Oh my god. I know. I know. <laughs> but like I said in that episode, like I wasn't in the mood to watch it at all. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, we're getting off topic, but I mean The Evil Dead and Drag Me to Hell are two very similar movies, and they're obviously yeah. both same Raimi movies, and I had a fucking blast with Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. So I think like I think it's just like you need to be in that mindset. I don't know. Our like scores like the past few weeks have been like one week you like it next week yeah, i hate it that's like true. back yeah, and yeah. forth <laughs> all right uh so yeah you guys know our scores let's head on over to rotten tomatoes and see what they've scored it now chuck have you been on rotten tomatoes since watching this movie no i actually have not gone to look up this movie on rotten tomatoes excellent all right so we'll start off with the critics consensus and then i'm gonna have you try and guess what the critics have scored it so the critics consensus more tasteful than recent slasher flicks, but dead silence is undone by boring characters, bland dialogue and an unnecessary and obvious. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Before, before we say anything, can we really classify this as a slasher flick? Absolutely not. No, exactly. no. This is a possession movie in my opinion. Yeah. Agreed. And like this consensus was obviously written like whenever it first came out. Because, I mean, more recent slasher flicks have been, like, really good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, Chuck, what do you think the critics scored it? Ah, uh, critics score. Um, I think it's a splat, and it has to be somewhere in the 30s. Wow, okay. Somewhere in the 30s? Yeah. That's your final answer? I think so. All right. So the critics rated it 20%. Oh, on God, 80. I was nicer than the critics. <laughs> on 80 ratings. 
Wow. Well, definitely a splat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Uh, the audience scored it a 51% on 219,000 ratings. See, I, I would believe that. So, you know, it's kind of like what we just discovered here on this episode. We kind of have mixed feelings here. So I really feel like a lot of James Wan fans or Lee Winnell fans or even horror fans in general, we're going to feel mixed on this. Yeah, definitely. Like it's not as good as Saw, which came out like a little bit before this one. So, I mean, fans of that movie might be pissed off that it's not as good or like what they mm-hmm. expected. Mm-hmm. or people that maybe have never watched saw maybe did like this movie yeah the thing about saw is saw was just so crazy for its time it's one of those unexpected films i remember the exact time i went and saw that movie in theaters and how i felt during it how i felt afterwards yeah. it just it's one of those movies that resonates with you mm-hmm. for the rest of your life uh, whether it's going to be a positive or a negative thing. So when you have a follow-up to that, uh, you know, we could really talk about the whole hereditary midsummer thing because y'all all know how I felt about that. <laughs> um, although I did go back and give midsummer that second chance and I enjoyed it a lot more. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you have such an amazing movie like that, you want every movie that follows from those filmmakers to be at that level yeah. or higher. So when it doesn't perform, it's going to be a disappointing thing. And I really feel like Dead Silence was, it missed the mark compared to what they had already presented to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And realistically, like the even the other Saw movies kind of missed the mark from that first one too. Agreed. I think after Saw 2, it started just getting a little too out there for me. I mean, I'd still yeah. watch all the movies, but... Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, yeah. All right, are we ready for this scare section? Yes, sir. Okay. So, Chuck, we'll let you go first. Seems you're our guest. Uh, what did you give this for a scare rating? Okay, I, I didn't break it down into categories like I did with the last one. Uh, overall, I gave it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Uh, because there were parts of it that really got to me. Like I said, I hate I hate dolls. I hate dummies. So that already right there is going to scare the ever living shit out of me. And the other thing I'm definitely afraid of are clowns. And I really hate that clown scene at the <laughs> end of the movie. I'm just like I really felt like they threw it in. Like, oh, we didn't we didn't give them enough scare. So let's start throwing in clowns. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that clown scene. Like when they turned her into a doll there at the uh, funeral home, yeah. that scared me too. When that coffin oh. fell over and the body falls on him, mm-hmm. and it was almost reminiscent. Uh, I do get the two movies confused. So like, uh, drag me to hell. You know, when the coffin falls over and the body falls on her, and then like all the formaldehyde and all that other shit is like coming out. And you know, I almost uh, ex- every when I was rewatching it, I almost expected that to happen. But then I had to remind myself I'm mixing up movies. But um, it's already creepy enough that you have a dead body on you, and now this dead body is made up like as a doll. Yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so yeah, five out of ten. Right, cool. uh, so I gave the scare rating uh, eight out of ten. Uh, this movie scared the fuck out of me. My <laughs> girlfriend was having a blast watching me get scared. <laughs> 
every time the doll's eyes moved, like I just got the shivers. I was like, no, fuck, fuck that. And like you said, Chuck, with, uh, when the coffin falls over and you see her mouth like open up, it's like, Oh fuck. And like, you can imagine that kid like, no nah, man, <laughs> fuck that. So yeah, this movie scared me quite a bit. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to be honest. If I were that kid, I probably would have died right there on the scene of like a heart. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. No, no, no. And then how do you go, grow up to like follow in your father's shoes? How do you continue working in a funeral yeah, home? Yeah. I was just going to say, <laughs> instead he became a coroner, just like his dad. All right. Uh, so I gave the scare rating a three out of 10. I said Mary looked really creepy, but like we didn't see enough of her. But you guys made a good point saying like the movie, it's more about the dummies than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, I think jump scares are super cheap and cheesy, but like I would have probably welcomed them in this movie. <laughs> um, just so like there could have been like something. Um, I mean, I, the dolls are creepy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I do agree with that. But uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. This movie just didn't get me. Yeah. For some reason. I feel like the jump scares, like they tried to do the jump scares, but I feel like they weren't like that scary at all. Like, no. They weren't effective. Like the dolls were, you know, the doll is on the cover of the movie case. So like, that's where the scare is. Yeah. Yeah. They set that expectation right there with the movie posters and the movie case and things like that. So, you know, it's gotta be about the doll. Of course they could have pulled a hereditary on us and have the poster <laughs> completely throw you off from what's actually happening yeah that's true um i feel like this movie would have been like more scary if with like we talked about child's play at the start like if the dummies like were possessed and like kind of came alive yeah but then i feel like it would have went in more like a comedic yeah it would have been more hokey i guess yeah yeah fair enough. i don't know yeah three to ten for me cool uh chuck your scariest scene i couldn't narrow it down quite honestly i mean anything involving the doll and anything involving mary as a doll or that dead kid as a doll just and the clown all those things just yeah those all add up to the scariest parts of this whole film for me so nice um i agree with chuck like there were so many scary scenes i could have picked but I had to go with uh, the initial motel scene when Jamie's sleeping and it's all quiet and all you hear is that like, mm, mm, and then like the red light flashing on Billy and then you just see his eyes, the camera zooms in on his face and you just see his eyes just move slowly over to Jamie and like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to go with that scene. Uh, my scary scene is whenever you see like the the real boy. I can't remember was it wasn't Michael Michael Ashen. Yeah. Uh, whenever he was strung up like the doll, yeah. I feel like they did that really well, and he was super creepy. Like we already talked about, but like his like lips were almost cut off, and you could see like right to his teeth, and his eyes were like bulging out of his head. Um, and he's all strung up like uh, what are they? What are they called? A marionette? I yeah. Think, with like the string. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of strung up like that. It was just really creepy. But uh, I don't know. They made him look really good. Yeah, they did. Yeah. 
All right, Chuck, do you think you would survive the stare of Mary Shaw? Oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> I was a little girl, and I would have died in the first minute of this damn movie. <laughs> I would not have survived. All right. Uh, I mean, you know my answer. Mine's the same as Chuck. Like, yeah. hell no. Like, as soon as I saw a dummy's head move or it would appear in another place, like, no, I'm screaming like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's three for three. I don't think I would survive. I probably would have screamed really quick. <laughs> nice. All right. So, Chuck, normally this is where we would do a top five or a uh, the villain face-off, but uh, with the guest episodes, we do our podcast on Elm Street double-double special. Ooh. And uh, I don't know if you listened to our last guest episode, but up here in Canada, a double-double, if you're ordering a coffee, it's two cream and two sugar or two milk and two sugar. Um, and it's kind of a Canadian staple. Tim so, Hortons? Tim Hortons. You know it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, enough uh, How I Met Your Mother to know uh, that Tim Hortons is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not even Canadian company anymore, but, yeah, no, you know, no. whatever. <laughs> They're making their way down. Yeah. So uh, we got a couple questions for you if you're uh, down to answer. I will give it my best. All right. You want me to go first? Sure. All right. So my first question, Chuck, you're a podcast that has guests on for every episode. If you could have any horror icon, villain, or hero on your show, who would it be? Horror icon, villain, or hero? That's a tough one. Um, if I had to pick, I would probably want Laurie Strode from the Halloween franchise on because, yeah. one, I want to know how the heck she keeps surviving in, <laughs> in the proper movies. I know they kill her off in a couple of the movies, but I want to know how she keeps surviving for one thing. Uh, two, I... I've always <clears throat> so one of the things I loved about the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween was the backstory they did. So like in the original Halloween, all of a sudden all, just Michael puts on a mask, grabs a knife and goes on a killing spree. Yeah. And you just don't know why. Um and then you kind of get allusions to it throughout the film, you know, he's, he's you know de he's deranged, demented, he's got mental issues, all this other stuff. But I really wanted to know more about the backstory. So and that's what I loved about the Rob Zombie remake is that the first part of the movie is literally young Michael and you get to learn about who this kid is and almost what drives him to be who he becomes. Mm -hmm. And Lori is an also wonderful character to have that insight too. So she knows Michael inside and out. So instead of actually trying to talk to the man himself, because he wouldn't talk to me because he's silent under that mask, <laughs> um, I would want to learn more about him through the uh, eyes and mind of his sister. All right, cool. I dig it. Yeah. Plus like you're a answer. huge Jamie Lee Curtis fan. I am a huge Jamie Lee Curtis fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... I've seen from your Instagram, you have a few uh, puppies at your house. So my question is, if you could adopt any animal slash pet from any movie, which one would it be? 
Hmm. That's a nice random one. Um. I don't know, man. Um. I wouldn't. I'm not a huge cat person. Well, I do have a cat. Um, yeah. I just don't post about him often on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, Satan's minion. But um, <laughs> I love the cat from uh, Alien and uh, Aliens. Nice. Um, nice. The yeah. cat's name all of a sudden off the top of my head. No, but, no, um, that's fine, yeah. I, I, I love that cat because it's it's so chill. I mean, it's literally witnessed all these people dying around him and, um, you know, it's had to escape an alien itself and stuff like that, but it just remains like the chillest cat. And yeah. I think for a cat, I think that's a pretty good quality. Yeah, I dig it. The cat's name is Jonesy, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I just remember her calling him a little shit. <laughs> As are most cats. That's funny. We're covering that movie next week, so we'll uh, give a shout out to old Jonesy there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, Chuck. My next question: uh, You're making your own horror movie. Who are you casting as your final girl, and why? If you can stay away from Laurie Stroud on this one, that would be great. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's who's running through your head. Um. So I I, I would have to pick an existing horror a uh, girl in horror. No, no, no. Like who would like any actress that you would pick as your final girl? Oh, 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 oh. okay. Um, I would pick Sarah Paulson. Oh, okay. I I love her in American Horror Story. I think she's one of the best things about that show, despite it having some really off the wall seasons. Nineteen eighty four. I'm talking about you. I know she wasn't <laughs> in that one, but nineteen eighty four was not. Um, in my opinion. But uh, I, I love what she brings to American Horror Story. And I, I actually like her as an actress, period. So basically, whatever she's in, I, I watch her. But I would like to cast her because she's tough. She's rugged. Um, she, doesn't, she doesn't take any shit, and she can fight back. And I think that's a good quality to have in a, your, a horror movie. Yeah. I, quite honestly, you don't always need that damsel in distress, or you don't always need that uh, quick kill girl you need you need an ellen ripley you need a sorry laurie strode you need um those characters in there and those stronger female characters because i really feel it adds a big element to your movie yeah i dig it that is not anyone that i was expecting so i like that a lot yeah that's <laughs> a good answer um sidebar about sarah paulson did you know that her partner is uh holland taylor yes i thought that was crazy yeah the one the age difference yeah definitely and i i remember when i read that like nothing against it you know support the lgbt community Mm -hmm. but uh i was just like wow i never would have pictured a sarah paulson and b holland taylor (laughs) and c pictured them together i know you know I don't remember where I saw it, but I like I remember seeing it. And I was like, "Holy shit, that is crazy!" Yeah, yeah, because Holland Taylor's like seventy-seven years old. Yeah, I think there's like a thirty-year difference between their ages yeah. or something like that. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my second question is kind of a two-parter. 
your favorite Canadian actor slash actress and their that actor's favorite was your favorite movie of theirs. All right, so I'm going to be a sellout here. Uh, I love me some Ryan Reynolds. Thank you. Uh, now, trying to pick my favorite Ryan Reynolds movie, that's going to be the harder part. Because um, I could easily say stuff like Deadpool and whatnot. But honestly, I think my favorite Ryan Reynolds movie is Waiting. Oh, dude, nice. that's such an underrated comedy. Love it. It's a great, great, great movie. I quote it almost daily somewhere <laughs> yeah. in my life. Uh, it's a wonderful movie and you know it's not just ryan reynolds that makes it justin long anna ferris they all do a great job in it but that ryan reynolds is probably my favorite canadian actor and then that would be my favorite movie of his nice i love that pick yeah we approve (laughs) (laughs) cool i love dane cook in that movie too yeah his little yeah yeah welcome to thunderdome bitch I'm not a huge fan of Dane Cook and his comedy because I, I always get tired of comedians who laugh at themselves during their routine. Like he's in the middle of telling a joke and he starts cracking himself up and I'm just like, dude, get to the point of the joke. But he <laughs> is great in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm, cool. So that's it then. Well, right. before we wrap it up, I actually had a couple of things if y'all don't mind. Not at all. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, I won't keep us too long. I know we're already running like almost two hour and a half two hours into this thing but um there were some things i noticed during the rewatch of this movie that uh i thought were kind of interesting so i know we were shitting on donnie Wahlberg and his uh performance in this movie but he had a really great line when you first meet him at the beginning of the movie so it's when jamie's at the police station and donnie and that other uh detective um are standing outside the door and they're kind of bantering back and forth about everything mm-hmm. he um they have this wonderful exchange and she finishes one of his sentences for him and the way he responds is he says that's a gift i think the words here and they come out there and he points to her and that is just a subtle reference to ventriloquism that's very true actually. yeah yeah and I, I really liked that line so i thought that was very well written and kudos to lee Winnell for throwing that in there because it's easily throw away uh, you know you could throw that whole exchange away and think nothing of it but when i heard it it just struck me and i'm just like hell yeah he just you know he captured the theme of this movie in just one throwaway line and that was pretty awesome yeah that's cool Um, i do want to shout out that beautiful 1971 oldsmobile cutlass driving throughout the entire movie i am jealous i want that car um, I went and looked up how much that car costs, and it's uh, more than I make in a year. So I'm not lying. Damn. Yeah, but uh, it's a uh, beautiful that cherry red Cutlass Supreme. I just shout out to that car. <laughs> I think that was probably the true star of the movie. <laughs> it's almost like the car in Supernatural, eh? Yes, yes. Or um, the Lincoln from. Have y'all ever watched the show Entourage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that Lincoln, that beautiful Lincoln they use in the opening credit scenes and stuff like that. That yeah. that's the star, and definitely supernatural. <laughs> the car's the star. <laughs> that's all I had. Perfect. All right. Uh, do you want to plug yourself again? And yeah, yeah. So uh, guys, check out my show. Um, Chuck goes to the movies. Uh, I release an episode every Friday. Um, like I said, I'm wrapping up my Christmas uh, in July special 
uh, well, by the time this airs, it'll already be wrapped up, but, um, it's, uh, we just talk about, uh, different films and what we find special about them, how they affect us and things like that. So it's not a movie review episode. We do review it a bit, but we really talk about other different things about it. So I think, um, if you want something a little bit different than just a movie review or anything like that, you know, kind of like what, uh, Brooke and Mark Ayer do on this show. They dive into uh, different things about the movie, the story, the scares, and things like that. And that's what I like to talk about. Uh, we have a lot of cast-centric shows, too. Like mm-hmm. Ocean's mm-hmm. Eleven, it, I felt like we spent the entire episode talking about the cast versus the movie because it was such just such a brilliant cast. Yeah. But um, I really hope that people who listen to the show really feel mine and my guests love for these films and what they have done, not just for us, but for the world in general. So that's our show. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, what's your Instagram as well? My Instagram is Chuck two movies. So C H U C K the number two movies. Um, And then you can also find me on Facebook by either looking up Chuck goes to the movies or the same thing. Uh, Chuck two movies. Awesome. Cool. Well, we appreciate you coming on and talking about this movie with us and we hope to do it again soon. Yes. Thank you guys. It was a blast and I can't wait to have y'all on talking about uh, our movie on my show. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. I think. Yeah. It's going to be great. All right. Yeah. Thanks again, Chuck. Uh, we really appreciate it and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, what you have coming up. Awesome. All right. So, Thank you.